Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. I'm actually now. Right? Actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't no more sense. You know, yeah, there's something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Go get out of my face with that crazy stuff. The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take, y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Studs. And now, your host, Chad episode of 2016 and uh, happy to do this we are counting down to the national signing day that we all are uh, all anticipating if you're a recruiting heavy college football fan as many of you listening in are we've got three Wednesdays until recruiting until national signing day D-Day for the 2016 recruits and uh it is what everyone in this particular game is. It's the season after the season. And so we are uh, fast on our way to getting there. And uh, I'm happy to be back and uh, kick this thing off. We're going to have one of these recruiting roundtables every Wednesday until we get to that week. And then we will have a National Signing Day Eve show like we did in 2015. I had a lot of fun doing that show, getting everyone ready for the festivities the following day on National Signing Day, and we'll be doing that again this year. So I uh, appreciate you all tuning in. We've got a lineup of recruiting reporters coming at you on the show today. Andrew Spivey from Gator Country is going to join us. 
Keith Nybert is going to be here from 247sports.com, talking a little Auburn football. Woody Womack, Southeast guy, will be here from uh, Rivals, talking about uh, what he saw at the Under Armour and All-American games. And Greg Biggins will be here with the West Coast Report. Got to have the West Coast Report. So Greg Biggins from Scout will be here. And then Corey Bender will be talking Miami Hurricanes football recruiting here on the Gridiron Stud Show Recruiting Roundtable Edition, Season 2, Episode 1. I thought I'd start doing that, you know, um, start labeling it that way, since that's how we watch stuff now anyway. For all you folks that use Netflix or you're on the Comcast On Demand, that's how we line things up, goes by the season and then the episode. So this is Season 2 of the Recruiting Roundtable, Episode 1. And again, appreciate you joining in. In the second hour of the show, uh, the 9 o'clock hour, if you're on the East Coast, I will welcome any of your recruiting questions that you may have, um, you know, things related to the recruiting process. We'll try to give you some answers to those questions. So if you're a parent out there or even a recruit and uh, you have some questions about the process, we'll try to get some of those questions answered for you if you folks want to make use of that session. You know, people get scared calling into radio shows. You don't have to be scared. Just give me a call. Simple conversation we could have here. The number to call is 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. And if for some reason you can't get to a phone, you could reach me on Twitter. It's at Gridiron Studs. You can ask your question there. Would prefer that you call in. It's better when we uh, can do this face-to-face in radio terms. Call into the show and we can kind of have a little back and forth there. But if you can't for some reason... At Gridiron Studs on Twitter, you can reach me there. Or email your question, cwilson at gridironstuds.com. You can take your question there, and perhaps we could read it on the air. So that's what's coming up on the show today. And, um, you know, it's that time of year where the panic starts to settle, and I go through this every year. And we go through this every year. Um it starts getting late for 2016 prospects. You don't have any offers going right now, maybe not hearing from teams. That could be uh, for a number of reasons. One of them could be you're not a FES prospect, okay, which is, you know, a lot of times tough for someone to hear uh, that you're not an FES prospect. Get this across, especially during the playoff season. Hey, watch the FCS playoffs. Watch the Division II playoffs. It's good football, okay? Uh, it's not Alabama versus Clemson. I get that. I understand that. There's only a limited amount of guys that could play there. So you have to be a little bit realistic. If you weren't getting recruiting attention going into your senior year, you were up against it anyway. And if you didn't hear anything during the senior year, you really aren't going to be uh, an FBS guy. Is it impossible? No. I've seen it happen late. It's not impossible. Is it probable? No. So what you really got to do now is start turning your focus to FCS and Division Two, maybe even Division Three, uh, because that's it's football. What you're all, what you're just trying to do is extend your football playing career. You know what you are now today doesn't have to be what you are down the road. The NFL will go get a football player from FCS, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA, JUCO, prep, off a basketball court. They see some value in you, and you meet a specific skill set and you can help their team, they will come out and get you. Period, point blank, end of story. That's just how it is. And, uh, you know, if you've been observing the NFL for a while, they'll put up with a lot. And they'll look the other way on a lot of things. 
just like they'll look the way, look the other way on, uh, you know, off the field troubles. They might look the other way on a lack of experience sometimes if they think you are that much of a freakish prospect that could do something for them. But not going that far off of the uh, path. Division two, Division three football is football, and you may be a late bloomer. You know, I played with a guy in college who grew. He continued to grow taller while in college. Wide receiver by the name of Util Green. Came in, he was six foot one. Grew to six foot three while he was in college. That might ha- that might happen for some of you guys. You might actually go to college and you might blossom into a beast. But if you shun division two and division three schools because oh that's you know not to your quality, not your standing and instead you sit at home and sit on the couch and play 11 hours of call of duty and go work some menial job or take, you know, BS one or two classes at the local junior college just to appease mom and dad and you don't pursue that football career. I mean, how ugly is it going to be if you do that and you did end up blossoming into, you know, you did grow taller, you did get bigger, you did get stronger and you didn't really pursue your football career because, oh, because you have, because the champagne wasn't Corbell. Old trick here is to keep playing football. And so don't, don't turn down interest from Division Two FCS, Division Three schools. For some of you guys, it might not even happen for you with any of those schools. No need to panic. You might have to go to a junior college. And the NFL has quite a few players who have uh, achieved stardom that went to junior colleges. Quickly coming to mind is Steve Smith, who will be playing in his 13th or 14th season next year, as he announced recently he'll be coming back. Steve Smith was a junior college football player, as was Chad Johnson or Ocho Cinco, whatever he's calling himself these days, junior college football player that eventually ended up at Oregon State. So I must stress this to recruits, that are listening and the parents of recruits that are listening, football career is not over if it's not an FBS power five school coming to get you. If it's not North Carolina or it's not Texas tech or it's not Colorado or someone like that coming to get you, please explore those other options. If you're a quality player, it will bear itself out in the end anyway. Maybe they missed on you. Maybe they quote unquote slept on you. It happens. But for you to, Throw everything out because they slept on you, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. If you got the will, you love football, you'd be crazy not to go out and get yourself a free education at the very least. If one of these schools like you enough and they want to give you some money to go there, they want to give you an education, will pay for a good portion of it, be out of your mind not to... Go grasp that opportunity. I guarantee you, 95% of you would regret it. The other 5%, I'll hold out for someone that comes up with a great idea as to what they want to do with their life without college being a part of it. Every now and then, you come across somebody who's got that kind of a plan. It's not the norm. But if you already know what you want to do in life, and you've got a solid plan ahead of you, and it doesn't involve going to college, then okay, maybe I'll understand. Otherwise, though, if you can use your skill and your talent in the game of football 
to get an education either fully paid for or greatly paid for, uh, you're doing yourself a big disservice if you don't go after it. And so now if you are a Division II type player or a Division III type player or something like that, hey, you know, you're, it, the activity is not going to be as intense for you right now in this month. Not always. Okay, things might pick up for you after signing day. It's, this is a part that people uh, tend to misunderstand. And that is, uh, signing day is not the end of the recruiting process. Some folks out there think that, you know, when signing day comes, and if it comes and goes, and I haven't signed a scholarship, that's it for me. You got that backwards. Signing day is the beginning. It's the kickoff of the signing period that will run through the summer. So because you didn't sign on signing day doesn't mean that it's over. For some, that's when it's just going to begin. The Division two and three kids. Because let's face it, some of these FCS and Division two schools are waiting to see what happens with FBS targets that they have in mind, to see if these kids that are FBS targets actually get into FBS schools. And if they happen to slip and fall, FCS schools are looking to grab them up. And so after they've taken their shot at some of those available FBS targets that didn't get to FBS schools, then they might turn around to uh, prospects that were clear set Division II or FCS prospects. And it's just the whole trickle down thing. I compare it to the uh, free agent process right after the draft. You know, with the draft, you go out and you know, they're in the draft, you have the seven rounds of the draft, and then when that's over, then you have a free agent signing period. And there's a bit of a delay sometimes, there are pause there, as teams try to figure out who fell where. You know, there were guys that were going to get drafted, that were projected to be drafted, that didn't get drafted. And now, you know, teams will go grab them up as free agents. So that's kind of the way this thing works now when you come around with the, you know, FCS and Division II schools. FCS and Division II schools will, I will often get calls and communication from FCS and Division II schools asking me about clear-cut FBS prospects. And when I first started off in this business, that was a real head-scratcher to me. I'd sit here and think, why are you asking about that guy? you got no shot at him. He's got offers from the big guys. And then as I went along in this thing, I began to realize that, uh, you know what, every now and then, an FBS kid, kid on his way to an FBS school, didn't quite make it there. But one reason or another, fell off of that and into the lap of a, you know, FCS school and sometimes even a Division II school. So, uh, again, the trick here for you prospects in 2016 and uh, any of the seniors, you're just trying to extend your football career. That's basically what it is you're trying to do. So don't, uh, first of all, don't panic. You haven't, you know, received an offer at this point or a great interest at this point. It's not over for you. Could just be beginning. Could just be beginning. But do make sure, though, that you're getting your, you know, that you're in a position to get your information out to people, that you've set yourself up for that. Some folks want to go it alone and they don't necessarily have the know-how or the tools and that's what... You know, places like Red Iron Studs are for. So if you 
need some help with that, as many of you do, do reach out. You can send me an email, cwilson at gridironstuds.com, and we can talk about it. But, you know, you want to get your information out. Now, that's definitely something you want to be doing now. You don't want to wait till after the signing period to start doing that. You want to get a head start on it. There are recruiting fairs where Division three schools and NAI schools come and attend and will um, try to pick up prospects who are not signed. But you don't want to wait until then to make those schools aware of you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like getting into the the whole deal late. So uh, you want to be ahead of the game, not behind the game. That's in anything in life, but especially with this in the recruiting process. So, uh, final message on that is, you guys, the 2016 prospects who have not heard anything, don't panic, but also do be on the ball. And uh, if you you've not been doing much or you've been doing little, uh, let's double up the efforts and let's start picking up some steam there and start, you know. Let's get a sense of urgency, so to speak, as try to reach out to schools and try to get your information out to them. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, we'll kick off the, re- the recruiting roundtable with Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com. You folks hold on. I'll be right back right after this. Business Concierge Services will do all the hard work for you. 
They will streamline your payroll, streamline your finances, and have you on track. With trustworthy advisors that are very reliable, they will take the hard work away from you and get you back into what it is you're doing best. How do you get this MVP on your team? You call right now, 844-696-8722, 844-MY-MVP-CC, or send an email to info at mymvp.cc and get an MVP on your team today. Kind of 
iffy on whether they lead for him or not. So that's another one that's out there uh, to go with these guys that are visiting this weekend. So a lot of names for two spots. So hopefully Florida can fill that spot. So in this particular weekend, who would you deem to be the most important visitor in Gainesville this, this weekend? Well, if I was going with the most important as far as the best player that's probably coming on, I would probably say it's Landon Dickerson, a guy that did really well at the Under Armour uh, All-American game uh, in Orlando, and he's a guy that can play guard or tackle. Uh, If I'm going with the guy that Florida's got the best chance with, I'm going with Marcus Tatum if he visits, uh, because that would tell me that he still has interest in Florida. So uh, best potential is Dickerson. Uh, Most likely to happen, probably Tatum. Okay. well, the running back position, I haven't heard much about it in this cycle. I don't think we've talked about it much when I've had you on here on the recruiting roundtable. Let's talk a little bit about that. What's Florida going to do in that class? You know, Kelvin Taylor declared, and uh, it's really Cronkite and Scarlett. What, what are they going to do in this recruiting class with, at running back? Yeah, they got big Juco offensive line or running back Mark Thompson already enrolled uh, in campus. He, he enrolled last Monday. Uh, then they have uh, four-star LaMichael Piran out of Alabama. Uh, he's a solid commit to Florida as well. So uh, those two guys are, are the guys they're uh, hoping to get into class. They already got Thompson and, you know, get uh, Piran signed. Alabama's coming on, but – Florida's been his leader, been his dream school forever. He's committed, been committed. So uh, I don't think that's going to change. So keep those two guys, and they're done with the position right now. And uh, P. Ryan won uh, 7A running back of the year this year for uh, Alabama. So he's a guy that's got a lot of potential, and both of those guys are 220-plus, prototypical uh, Jim McElwain, Alabama running back. So those two guys with the two Jordans at Florida, and they should have a four-man rotation that's pretty well for next year. And then I think they got to go for two more in 2017 as Mark Thompson is a JUCO guy, so he may be a one-and-done guy. So uh, really they're signing one high school guy in that Ryan this year. Everyone freaked out, you know, uh, dealt a little bit of a surprise with Keanu Neal you know, deciding to go to the NFL. And so now everyone's all crazy about what's going to happen at the safety spot. Tell us what Florida is doing in 2016 uh, in terms of safeties. And is there anyone there that you think can step in and perhaps play right now? Yeah, I mean, I think – Probably the biggest biggest recruit Florida can get is the hope Marcus May comes back to school. And, you know, everything we've been told is he'll come back. But in the recruiting world, they're, they're kind of after two guys, and they have two guys committed, and that's Quincy Litton out of Meridian, and then they have Juwan Taylor out of Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, both of those guys will be recruiting for the safety position. And then Chauncey Gardner is a guy that could end up playing safety. Uh, he's a nickel guy, a safety guy. So, really, they got those three guys, um, you know, do I think any of the three could start at safety next year? Probably not. If I was going to say one guy, it'd probably be Chauncey Gardner, even though I think he starts at nickel. Uh, and then Jawan Taylor is, is probably the next guy. Uh, but I think both of the Taylor and Litton both need a year of seasoning. So I think Florida just really needs to hope that Marcus May comes back to school and you can pair him with a Marcel Harris or a Nick Washington or maybe even the redshirt freshman Keelan Johnson. Yeah, always uh, good when you can ease some of those guys into the safety spot. Not quite as easy to uh, just jump in there at safety and, and, and play ball because you got to line everyone up. It kind of takes a veteran mind. Well, listen, I am so looking forward to these next couple of weeks as we lead our way up to uh, National Signing Day and the moves that the Gators are going to make because there's a lot of anticipation 
about this 2016 class for the Gators, and I'm glad I've got you to bring on here every week to talk about it. Thanks for joining us. Definitely, Chad. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com. Talking Florida Gators recruiting is Jim McElwain, and uh, this is his first real full go at a recruiting class, and uh, he's been doing some pretty good things out there, looking to see where the Florida Gators end up with this recruiting class and how highly ranked for all those people who care about that stuff. Well, they had a former Florida coach there for a little while. He's no longer there. He's one and done. But uh, the Auburn Tigers still got to play football, still got to do things. And here to talk Auburn Tigers recruiting, I got Keith Nairo on from 247sports.com. Keith, how you doing? What's going on, my man? Hey, um, you know, looking looking forward to talking this Auburn football here with you because it's gotten rather intriguing. Florida fans would know exactly what it's like to have that combination of Will Muschamp and T-Rob leaving out of town, and then you got to battle with them uh, for the recruits <laughs> that they had been recruiting. So how much of that is going on um, between between Auburn and South Carolina? Are they fighting over recruits, and are Muschamp and T-Rob perhaps taking some guys out of the Auburn basket? Yeah, there's been a couple, uh, a few to keep an eye on. One was Keir Thomas, the defensive end out of Miami Central. He was all locked and loaded, ready to go to Auburn. Uh, when Will Muschamp and, and T. Rob left for South Carolina, that really changed that dynamic. Those two guys started pursuing him heavily to South Carolina. And at the same time, uh, Auburn's uh, remaining staff wasn't as high on Thomas. So he ended up in South Carolina. But, but uh, in losing to Thomas to South Carolina, Auburn really also lost any chance of landing Jamel Cook. Uh, his teammate, uh, the safety, the four-star safety who's committed that this year. There was some belief that if Auburn could land Keir Thomas, that uh, Jamel would follow him to Auburn. At least that was the hope at Auburn. Now, right. keep in mind, there's two guys. Uh, Auburn commit Nick Coe. He's a six-foot, five-and-a-half, 265-pound, strong side defensive end. He's been committed to Auburn since the day of the Iron Bowl in late November. Uh, but the staff at South Carolina is not going to give up on him. They're going to try to get him on campus to see what they can do. Uh, seems solid to Auburn right now, but we shall see. And then one more guy. He's a safety out of Atlanta. His name is Marlon Character. He committed to South Carolina last summer. He committed. Committed to Mesh Campus, T-Rob, at Auburn in November. And then those guys left a month later for the school. He was one he committed to, South Carolina. So he's going to visit the Gamecocks this weekend. He'll be at Auburn in two weeks. Right now, it sounds like he's fairly solid to Auburn. But Mike's but visit Mike, to Columbia this weekend changed things. He is, after all, closer with T-Rob with than any coach in college football. So we'll see how that shows out. Yeah, sounds like there's going to be a little bit of uh, tugging back and forth on some recruits that were probably headed to Auburn or looking at Auburn and are now looking at South Carolina. And some of that even more might be uh, picking up. What other impacts uh, has occurred with, with staff changes uh, with Malzahn and, and the Auburn Tigers? Well, you know, there's been three changes on the defensive staff. Not only did Will and T-Rob leave for South Carolina, but so did uh, linebackers and slash, buck, you know, defensive end buck linebacker position coach Lance Thompson. He's at South Carolina as well. And then just earlier this week, uh, offensive line coach J.B. Grimes left to go work with Tommy Tuberville, the former Auburn head coach at Cincinnati, and he was replaced by Herb Hand of Penn State. So right now we're trying to figure out who are the new targets being identified. Uh, and the main targets that we're keeping an eye on right now, the ones that have come forward, the ones that have, you know, come out into the open are defensive back targets. And the new defensive backs coach 
Uh, Chad, probably a guy you're familiar with, Wesley McGriff. I believe he coached at Miami yeah. at one time. Uh, sure. Most recently, three years with the New Orleans Saints. He's a look. He's a tireless recruiter, much like Lance Thompson was. So he will he will look under any rock and and see what he can find. But uh, the guys he's pursuing, a couple of names to watch. Uh, Shaheen Carter is a defensive back out of uh, Louisiana. He's uh, probably an Alabama lean, but uh, Auburn's going to try to make a big run at him. And then also a player out of Florida, Javon Myers. His brother is a player most of you all down there are familiar with. And right. that's four-star wide receiver Nate Craig Myers. Well, they're both going to officially visit Auburn this weekend. Auburn uh, assistant Damian Craig will meet with both of them tomorrow. Then the next day they will drive up with their mothers. They have different mothers. They will drive up to Auburn for their official visit. Nate mm-hmm. Craig Myers, Auburn people believe, is trending toward them at this time. If his brother has a good visit and Auburn does have a need at corner safety nickel, he really, with his size and speed, could end up anywhere in the defensive backfield. Uh, if they can convince him that that's the place to be, you might see both of them end up at Auburn. There doesn't seem to be uh, another school likely to land both of them. You know what I mean? They may not go to the same school, but if they do go to the same school, it seems like, based on everything they're saying, that Auburn would maybe have a, a slight edge over the others right now. We'll, we'll see. Look, I mean, you don't count out Florida State. Perhaps Florida's still in it for one or both of them. Uh, they both like North Carolina, and then they're going to officially visit Ole Miss the final weekend before National Sunday. But those are some of the names to watch. At linebacker, it's a lot of the same names, but there is a new one, the Uche kid, Joshua Uche. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, out of Miami, yeah. uh, a one-time Miami commit, now maybe leaning toward Florida. At least that's some of the scuttle, but he's going to officially visit Auburn this weekend. They have some sort of in with him. Uh, that's how they were able to get him on campus. Again, they have a little bit of a need at linebacker. They need at least one more maybe two more, can they convince him that that's the place to be? We'll see. We don't believe he's ever been there before. And then on the offensive line, chat, they've got, uh, look, I mean, just tonight, just in the last hour, Avery Young uh, from Palm Beach Gardens announced that he's turning pro. So that means Auburn is going to lose both of its starting offensive tackles early in the NFL. And for those that don't really follow the interior in the SEC, most people, your eyes go to the ball, obviously. You know that. Sure. Um, Auburn's offensive line was not an issue. For a 7-16, and 16, you're talking about an offensive line that unquestionably is one of the three or four best in the SEC. Now you're going to have to replace two starting tackles uh, who left early for the NFL. That's an issue, uh, not only with what you have returning, uh, which is a lot of inexperienced guys, but now you don't have a single tackle committed. So all of a sudden that becomes a major, major, major priority. It already was a priority. Now it is the priority for Auburn with new offensive line coach Herb Hand. One guy to watch is Willie Allen out of Louisiana. Did not have a great week at the Under Armour All-America games. However, he is a big guy, a, a guy that's a, you know, a, a premier run blocker. He struggles in pass sets because he's never had to do it. But that's a guy to keep an eye on. But that is a position where we're going to see new names emerge. We're going to have to see new names emerge. Otherwise, Auburn is going to come up empty there. So I think what you might see there, Chad, is mm-hmm. them going after guys committed to – uh, to other programs. I mean, that, that's about what they're going to have to do because it's not a great – I'm sure you know this – it's not a great year for tackles nationally. It's not at all. No. It's pretty average, no, to be honest with you. So there ain't a lot out there. So they're going to have to dig deep and, and maybe try to hit some schools, maybe the programs uh, from programs that maybe don't have the renown that Auburn does and, and try to steal one or two guys away. At least that's my opinion. What would be – what about what about going to JUCO route? Well, the problem is most of the good junior college guys have already been swooped up. And if you're going to go the JUCO route for a position like offensive tackle and you want a guy to play right away, at least, you know, I don't know if any of these guys would start, but 
it's certainly being the two deep. You really want that guy to be able to go through spring ball. That's the problem. You know what sure. I mean? It's a, it's a different kind of offense. It's an up-tempo offense. It takes a while to get acclimated to it. Not sophisticated in, in the, that sense, it's, but it's quick. They do everything quick. So, you know, I think the chance of them landing a junior college prospect diminished uh, in the fall when they – you know, in December when they didn't sign anyone. But, yeah, they may not have any options. We'll see. Uh, you know, with right. Herman coming back, coming down from Penn State, you know, he probably has some connections uh, that maybe they didn't have before. They're just going to have to work really hard. You know what you do, Chad? Look, you and I know this. Programs like NC State, Wake Forest, they have good players committed. Their overall mm-hmm. classes aren't what Florida's are and Florida State and Miami and Auburn. And, right. uh, but they have good individual players. Maybe you go after guys like that. Maybe you find somebody committed to one of those programs and just try to convince them on one playing in the SEC, two playing at, uh, you know, one of the – uh, bigger name programs in the country, and then three looked opportunities there. You could play early in your career. So, to me, that might even be the better route to go than junior college, where you know most of the time, it, look, if a junior college offensive lineman hasn't been snatched up by now, then he probably is is probably more of a middle of the road kind of guy who would be really nothing more than a depth guy. They they don't just need a depth guy. They need a guy that can play. You know? Yeah, it sounds like they need help right now. sounds like they're gonna probably going to need to go shopping in uh, someone else's basket. Well, hey, I'm looking forward to seeing how this whole thing shapes out. Currently, Auburn is number 10 in 247's uh, college football recruiting rankings for 2016, which, crazy enough, puts them sixth in the SEC, the uh, top 10 littered with SEC programs. Well, listen – Hey, I love having you on here, man. Great information, Keith, and looking forward to you uh, being a regular here on the Recruiting Roundtable on the Gridiron Session. Any, any, anytime, Chad. Good talking to you, man. All right. Thank you very much. That's Keith Nyber from 247 Sports, dishing the uh, tea, spilling the tea, as they say, uh, for the Auburn Tigers and the stuff and work that they need to do. They gotta, they, they've got to wrestle some recruits away from uh, good old Muschamp and T-Rob. So that's going to be an interesting amount of drama to watch for the second year in a row. All right, moving on from the Auburn Tigers and someone who covers the Southeast region and uh, anywhere that Rivals.com feels like sending this guy is uh, where he goes. So I'm happy to have him on. He's the well-traveled Woody Womack. Woody, what's going on? Oh, boy, it feels so good to be uh, be back on the show, be at my own house at least for a few days. Uh, it was a it was a long string there, thirty one of uh, thirty nine days on the road. So I am about so, back home. Um, you're telling me the dead period was not dead for you? No, the dead period is a, is a live period for me. I'm out there. Uh, you know, you know it's bad. You know it's bad when college coaches are Snapchatting you to try to get you to hand the phone to. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's how desperate college coaches are. Uh, you name a college coach, he's been known to send me a Snapchat in the, in the hopes of of uh, getting in touch with anybody. That's that's how dead the dead period is. You know, Woody, they're asking me to do a Snapchat, and I'm trying to hold out, man, not trying to uh, do the Snapchat thing. I think eventually I'm going to lose here. I'll probably join Snapchat when something else better comes out. That's just how behind I'll be. But interesting that the coaches are hitting you up on Snapchat. It's, it's a wonderful time to be alive, as Drake says. Okay, let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk recruits here and uh, what you saw. You were at two very important things that go down over the dead period, and that is the Under Armour game and the Army All-America game. What and who impressed you during the Under Armour week? Let's start there. Well, it was interesting. You know, it's it's interesting here for talent. I I personally think, you know, especially after seeing both of the games, 
I, I don't think this class is on par with, with any of the last three classes in terms of overall talent and just, you know, the the, the stars, you know, and I just don't see the I didn't see Leonard Fournette running around out there, you know what I mean? Right. Or Miles Garrett or somebody like that, or even Iman Marshall, but Antonius Clayton, the guy from uh, rural Georgia who's committed to Florida, a guy that I've followed now for a couple of years, and I was really interested to see how he would uh, take uh, the, the uptick in competition because, you know, he didn't go to the opening. He didn't go to the five-star challenge. He's never been a guy that a lot of people have heard of. Georgia didn't even offer him, uh, and, and, you know, so he took a lot of flack for that. But, boy, he came in there and just dominated, I mean, all week long was all over the field and uh, was a guy that really helped his stock in my eyes because we already had him in the top 100, but still it was a bit of an unknown. How would he how would he fare against that big-time competition? And you know, He looked just like uh, like he belonged out there. There was no adjustment period at all. Excellent. Well, good news there. Uh, let's talk about, because the Under Armour game has been known to have some wide receivers in it, so let's talk about that particular position group. What do you see out of that group? And, you know, it's always good. The good thing about this is you get all those big names together in the same place for football with pads on, which is uh, almost a rarity nowadays. But so who stood out for you there? Who looks like the next great thing at wide receiver based on what you saw on the Army Week? Well, the top guy for me was Nikhil Harry out of uh, – he's from Arizona. He's committed to Arizona State. Huge guy. I mean, I've seen him before, and I was a little iffy on him. But like you said, seeing him in pads, seeing him kind of go full speed, I really liked him. We're talking about a guy like six four, six five, and uh, just kind of like a, a Doriel Green Beckham type uh, body in terms of the way he looks, just uh, walking right out there. But he made a ton of plays. I really like Josh Hammond actually from down in your neck of the woods. He seems sure. to continue to get get better every time I see him. I know early in the process we were a little cool on him, but I saw mm-hmm. him play once during the year up here in Atlanta, and then I saw him uh, down there do very well. And then uh, Tyree Cleveland, the guy who's committed to Houston of all places. I know uh, Florida's still working on him a little bit, but he was probably the surprise for me in terms of a guy I had never really seen that much of. I had to see him for the first time, and he was really impressive all week. He didn't have the best game. But uh, the, the week of practice, as we know, means a little bit more than just that final game performance, and he was he was great all week. Yeah, I've always found that you can get a whole lot more out of watching that entire week than, you know, that one game where maybe or maybe not they get a pass, and, you know, the offenses never really look good in any of these kind of matchups. So what you get to see during the week will probably tell you a whole lot more than anything that happens in the uh, in the final game that goes on. Let's slide on over to – the uh, Army All-American game, and, you know, typically you get – you get I think you get a little bit more in the trenches at this game. I could be wrong on that. So, with the trench warfare there, who stood out for you both on offensive and defensive lines at the Army All-American game? Well, on the, on the defensive line, I mean, you know, the East team had a, had a pair of guys there, and uh, Derek Brown, who's a Rivals 100 guy from up here in the Atlanta area, and Dexter Lawrence, who's a five-star, the number two player in the country, is committed to Clemson. And they just spent all week just destroying their teammates. I mean, it was it was ugly. You know, I, mean, I, I think that had a lot to do with why the East was so ineffective in the game because they couldn't – They, I mean, these guys were just tearing, them, tearing their teammates apart in practice almost every single play. Uh, Brown really – you know, he, he was a five-star at one point. 
fell off a little bit. It's going to be hard to keep him from getting that status back with the kind of week he had in terms of just dominating guys. And then Lawrence, I mean, you know, we, we were actually on the same flight back together, and I felt so bad for the people sitting on his row because <laughs> we're talking 6'5", 330-pound sitting in coach. You know what I mean? That's uh, Yeah, one of those, hey, you need to buy two seat type deals, huh? <laughs> right. And then, I mean, you know, especially with what we've seen from Clemson with uh, Christian Wilkins stepping in and being able to play right away, play in a national championship game, I think Dexter is that next guy. Yeah. Um well, listen, I, I was, you know, I didn't really get a chance to see the game. Obviously, I was out doing the South Florida Express stuff. Um, I heard a whole lot of gushing about Shea Patterson. Uh, was he all that, or can you throw some sand on that a little bit? No, nah, I mean, I'm in, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool Aid. I mean, I, I, I've loved Shea for two or three years now, and then the, that game just kind of put it over the top for me in terms of him being the guy that's the most ready to step in and play right away. Just the combination of his arm, the way he gets the ball out so quickly, and the arm strength, I think that's rare to find for a high school guy. And then, and let's not, you know, um, cast aside his athleticism and his ability to avoid the rush. He did that a lot in our game against him. He didn't, you know, the, the timing and the throwing wasn't really always there for him. I'll, I'll put that on us because we put pressure on him. But he did a good job avoiding the rush in that game, and, you know, his, his, his athleticism should not be underestimated. Yeah, he can really move around when he wants to. I mean, he, you know, it's a good yeah. thing he plays quarterback and didn't stick with safety or wide receiver or something like that because he's part of his Man, what are your something now? He's quite an athlete. little inside joke there from Woody Womack. I, I knew you wouldn't miss your opportunity, but okay. <laughs> you open the door. Listen, you open the door for me, and I'm going to walk right through. Yes, counselor, uh, I did. I did open that door. <laughs> well, yes, um, he's, he definitely uh, – was, I was impressed with him, even though he wasn't really able to get off against us, and he carried that through the season. And, you know, in that when you get in that setting with all the big guys there, that's usually when you find out what you got because then the mental part of it steps up. So it looks like that's a good job for him. Most impressive guy, before I let you go, most impressive guy you saw between both Under Armour and Army All-American. Lump all that together. Most impressive guy for you. Oh, geez. Well, I guess I have to tell the company line and go for Sean Gary. But, you know, he's the number one player in the country. He was—he's probably my personal number one as well. I mean, we we debate that obviously in the rankings meetings, but he had three sacks in the game. And what I saw from him that I really liked at the end of the week was him getting fired up. Like he's a real reserved kid, doesn't say a whole lot, and he he was barking and and yelling and stuff like stuff I'd never seen before. Going one on one with Greg Little, the five star offensive tackle, and kind of just showing that passion and emotion and showing a lot of drive that. I hadn't seen, considering I've seen the kid at several camps, several elite events over the past three or four years, for him to kind of be elevating his game and, more importantly, uh, showing that uh, he he really does want that number one spot. He's got that fire. I think he's going to be a guy that is a special guy at the next level, especially if he ends up at Michigan in uh, Jim Harbaugh's defense. Yeah, well, um, you know, it's just amazing what Harbaugh's been able to do in such a short time there, and so uh, that'd be a rich get for him. Well, I I think this is going to be the craziest of the craziest cycles coming up here, and I'm looking forward to having you on to try and sort this all out as we uh, run really fast to uh, National Signing Day. Thanks for coming on, Woody. 
All right, appreciate it, Chad. All right, it's Woody Womack from Rivals.com, always entertaining, always informative. Woody Womack. All right, we're in the southeast, but going to head out west. Always love having this guy on because, you know, we tend to forget about football, uh, you know, west of, you know, Texas out here. And, and down here, I got a lot of South Florida listeners, so always good to have Greg Biggins on. Greg, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Chad? Doing doing pretty good, man, and, and enjoying things here. I'm going to have you do this for our listeners. Uh, we know about USC, UCLA, and all that, and we'll you know get to some of that in a minute. I want you to give me um, spill the tea, so to speak. It'll give me a little bit of info on some of the top guys in Southern California that look to be leaving the state to go play football. Look to be le- leaving the state? Yeah, leaving the state of California that are heading elsewhere, heading out of California um, to play football. Yeah, um, well, I mean, right now, uh, Jacob Eason is a guy, West Coast, Washington kid, who's going to be playing mm-hmm. at Georgia. That was a that was a pretty tight battle there. Um, you know, Caleb Kelly, I think uh, he's a kid from Fresno, elite linebacker, five-star kid. I think he's going to end up playing probably Notre Dame or Oklahoma. Those are his top two schools. He'll definitely be leaving the West Coast. I, 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 it's kind of tough to say. Oklahoma's kind of been a pipeline to the Fresno area the last two years, but I think Notre Dame's done a really nice job with him. Uh, Javon McKinley committed to Notre Dame at the uh, Army game over the week, so that's another guy. Who you'll and, see. and no one here uh, should really be surprised by that if they've been listening to the recruiting roundtable because you've kind of prepared us for that <laughs> possibility. Yeah, I mean, they did a really good job, and I think, you know, Coach Denbrock, you got to give him a, lot, a ton of credit. you got to understand how far away Notre Dame, obviously, is from Southern California. And he visited that Centennial campus where Javon plays probably more than any other school. So when you have a guy back in the Midwest who's, who's recruiting you harder than schools closer to home, the kid knew that he was the priority. And obviously Mike Sanford, the OC, did a great job as well. So those two guys really out-recruited, out-hustled everybody else. And then he just kind of felt like Notre Dame, how do you turn it down? You know, with the, with the national TV coverage and the education and the tradition and all that, Javon just – it came down to what he basically kind of said. It was a, a, a no-brainer decision. Um, but Notre Dame, you know, they're, they're, they're doing a nice job out here, like as they do every year. Uh, David Long, another kid who I think will be leaving the West Coast. He's a pretty elite cover corner, top 100 kid. Michigan might be his top school. He's going to visit Washington, Washington this coming weekend. And I think Washington does have a chance. He's basically down to those two schools. He's going to go on a nice little trip to Italy with his family after he takes his visit. So he's going to try to make a commit before he takes that trip to Italy. So I think you might be seeing him commit early next week. Michigan's kind of been a long time later, but you know, a lot of times that school with that last visit can kind of swoop in and, and seal the deal. So. No, yeah, um, that's definitely, that's definitely uh, been, been uh, what I've observed in my time doing this is that that last visit is, uh, is a lot more important than people want to realize a uh, young man from, from uh, my school is taking a trip out to USC, and that's Nick Eubanks, tight end, highly ranked tight end. Uh, well, how does USC feel about that visit? Did it feel strongly in the game, or what? What, what are their thoughts on it? You know, honestly, that that's a tough question because USC's tight end coach just left this week to go take uh, a job as the UCLA quarterback coach, and that's Marcus Tuesosopo. So yeah. he's the one that was recruiting tight ends at USC, and and now he was kind of elevated to. Uh, quarterback coach slash passing game coordinator. So USC doesn't really have a tight end coach right now. They don't have a recruiting coordinator because Peter Sermon, 
uh, left to become the D.C. at Mississippi State. So it's interesting. You know, USC's hosting, you know, a ton of kids this, this weekend. Rashawn Gary, everybody's top guy right now nationally. Uh, Byron Murphy from Arizona, Connor Murphy from Arizona, a huge weekend. And their staff isn't quite put together yet. So uh, obviously they're going you know, to recruit the heck out of them. You know, USC always does that. But right now I'm very curious, not just with some of these out-of-state kids like, you, you know, I just mentioned, but uh, just kind of moving forward, how is this going to affect, you know, uh, a Devin Asiasi, who was a big USC lean because of Marcus Trezisopo. That was the guy who was, you know, his guy. And in Polynesian culture, you know, a lot of times that, that plays a huge, huge role when it comes to recruiting. It's kind of that family feel, and, and Asiasi had that with Trezisopo. So now all of a sudden it kind of helps you to lay a little bit for a guy like, you know, like a guy like Devin or even a guy like Boss Tagaloa, who's an elite D tackle that they want to play together. UCLA already led for Boss. He might take a visit to USC. Uh, will he still take that visit? Uh, so, again, interesting times at SC and, and UCLA right now. I wonder if UCLA makes a late rush or push uh, for Nick Eubanks. Say again? Who do they need to make a uh, – I wonder if they do. UCLA make a, you know, a late push for Nick Eubanks um, since since that's where he has gone to. And they definitely need tight ends in the worst way. You know, they have basically – they're going from – I don't know what kind of offense you'd call it, you know, like a shotgun slash spread type of deal where the tight end was more of an H-back, big receiver. Uh, Thomas Duarte was their guy. He declared for the NFL yesterday. They don't have a true tight end on the roster, so they are going to to be going to, you know, kind of more of a pro-style offense. They just elevated Kennedy Palomalu uh, as the new OC, and he wants to kind of have more of a pro-style with the tight end and a fullback and all that, so – UCLA definitely needs tight ends. Again, mentioned Asiasi, mentioned Eubanks. I could definitely see UCLA trying to go and uh, maybe poach some of those guys. Again, you have to assume it was probably Marcus, uh, you know, Tui Asisopo, who was the one that was recruiting Eubanks. You know, sure. I, that's, position. No, that's, kinda, that's how that they do point. it, right? So, yeah, yeah, to that point, I'd seen him on campus. He'd come on campus. He'd come all the way down here, and he'd watch Nick in in person. So he was definitely great, the great recruiter. Yeah. recruiter. Great recruiter. Great recruiter. Yep. Yep, he works hard. Uh, He's one of their better better guys. Yeah, when I'm looking at USC's, you know, current commits and what they've got right now, and we're here in the middle of January, there's something that's kind of missing that they've had in years past. And I don't know if that should be a troubling sign for fans or whatever. Just a lack of of, uh, five-star recruits. They've racked up a lot in previous times. Um, What's your feeling on that? You know, they they only have – I want to say, what, 14, 13, 14 kids right now. So they're, you know, we kind of call it big game hunting. A lot of the top guys out west are always slower to recruit, or excuse me, excuse me slower to announce for whatever reason. Uh, but they're doing well with some guys. Jack Jones, a five-star corner, Long Beach Poly kid who, you know, was unreal at the Army game. I, I think they still have a great chance with him. Um, you know, they're still working on, you know, a few other players that are, you know, pretty highly touted. Um, you know, they would, obviously they would love to get Asiasi. Uh, Michael Pittman is a guy who is going to probably be elevated to a, a five-star. He's tremendous. They have Wally Bedeku, who's, you know, a five-star, and, you know, and so on and so on. So Tyler Vaughn's had a tremendous week during the, uh, it, during it, the Army it, game. It seemed like in the years past they've been able to lock up those kind of guys earlier. Maybe this is just one of those years, but it just has seemed to me a little bit earlier in the recruiting process, they've been able to lock up those five-star guys that they've wanted. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think, you know, I think it's just kind of one of those cyclical deals where just this year, a lot of those top guys just haven't committed yet. They just haven't announced yet. But, you know, I think if you 
you know, wait till signing day and, and you see a better coup with a Jack Jones, a Tyler Vaughn, a Michael Pittman, uh, you know, that's three or four elite kids right there. You know, it's, it's going to end up probably being a top 10 class, but you know, like you mentioned, a little slower out West and, and USC so far. I mean, they're, you know, they're kind of down a ways in terms of, you know, where they rake them on the Pac-12 schools. I mean, Stanford is the one that's really killing it. So I think USC will close well, but yeah, it probably won't be, uh, you know, not quite like past years when they landed, you know, your Biggie Marshall on signing day, John Houston, Rasheed Green, you know, those those big time national guys. Yeah, I was just uh, going to mention that. In what world do we have Stanford ranked ahead of USC <laughs> in terms of a recruiting class? Not the norm, but uh, I mean, maybe I, a little bit it, of change know, at the top. I, I love it. I'm, a, I'm one of those guys I've always, you know, appreciated Stanford for what it is. You know, it's school who puts academics first, and people say, oh, Stanford, they can get any, anybody who they want. Not true at all. And they had two guys that were long-time commits who they had to – anytime you see a, a kid from Stanford decommit this late in the process, it's kid decommitting. And that just means you didn't clear admission. So that, that, that's kind of how it is. I mean, academics are highly valued there. And, and it, so you have the best of that world, and yet you have a, a number three team in the nation. So I, mm-hmm. I love what Stanford's doing. They're, they're doing it right. They work hard. They go after, you know, in terms of guys that can get into school, we're, we're talking less than the, the top 1% of the top 150, 200 kids in the country uh, can actually get in and, and pass Stanford's admission. So I love what they do. I, I love their class. They're doing really, really well. And, and uh, you know, I, I, think it, I think it's great to see them recruit so well. And, and you know, they're going to end up with a top 10 class. It's, it's amazing. It sure seems that way, and it only helps the Pac-12 conference if Stanford continues to be – um, a real player in, in what they've got going on there. So that looks to be great. Well, listen, we're heading up into the craziest three weeks of the calendar year in college football. Sometimes this is more exciting than what's actually happening on the field. And I'm so glad that you're a part of it and that we can have you on here every week to set things straight for us out on that side of the uh, country. My pleasure, man. Always good talking to you. All right. Thanks, Greg. It's Greg Biggins from Scout.com giving us the uh, report out west, uh, West Coast football, USC, UCLA, Stanford, all those big guys, and looking forward to talking to him about the ongoings out there. Certainly some interesting stuff going on. All right, last but not least on the roundtable tonight is my next guest, Corey Bender from Scout.com, who's here. We're going to talk some Canes football. Hey, listen, I've Corey, I've been uh, I've been expecting maybe a little bit more noise coming out of Coral Gables on the recruiting end. It's been kind of quiet, and sometimes that yep. could mean there's some really good stuff going on that we just don't know about. Absolutely, Listen, This week is a pretty big official visit weekend, and obviously there's a lot of commits. Travis Homer, uh, the Gulliver Prep trio, says a great Jackson, Joseph Jackson. Uh, a lot of commits will be in town, but there's some other guys you probably definitely want to kind of keep an eye on. I think this might be the weekend you might see a commit. Um, Latrell Williams, he's a wide receiver out of Lake City, Columbia, um, who's really been surging up on a lot of teams' big boards. In the last week, he's gotten Tennessee and Miami. Um, and, you know, he's a former USF commit whose stock is really on the rise. And uh, Ron Dugans, who's now the wide receivers coach at uh, Miami, um, he was the one recruiting him at USF. And um, Latrell Williams actually decommitted from USF and was offered by Miami the same night that Dugans accepted that job on Miami staff. Um, so, like I said, that relationship is a real – it's a real tight-knit relationship, and he'll be in town this weekend for his official visit. Um, he'll be going to Tennessee the weekend after, but we'll see if we get to that point um, because as of right now, if I had to pick a front-runner, it definitely would be with Miami. Um, it's the in-state school. He already knows someone on the staff that he can trust and has really kind of grown close to. Um, another one is Amon Richards. He might not 
I'm not going to say he's going to commit this weekend, but he's a guy as far as foul guys to really keep an eye on. And I've, I've always said all along that I thought he would eventually end up back in Miami. Um, he'll be in town this week. He's a near, kid out of uh, nearby Wellington High. Um, mm-hmm. Alabama's real high on his list. you got Tennessee and Auburn. Um, but I think it will really come down to Miami and Alabama for him. You know, Miami's really – you can tell he definitely loves Miami. He was committed there for a year, and that was the favorite school he loved growing up. And, uh, obviously, he's just decommitted because the whole coaching staff turned over. So, um, I, if everything goes well this weekend, it wouldn't shock me um, if he ends up back in Miami. He's an Army All-American, a big-time kid with nice upside on both sides of the ball. Um, and last but not least, another guy just to keep an eye on is uh, James Pierre, the guy at Deerfield Beach. Um, he's a guy who committed basically in Miami on the spot. Um, loved the Canes growing up, but obviously another kid that decided to open everything up after Al Golden was fired. Um, but he, like you said, him and Amon Richards, those are two guys that, you know, deep down they love the Canes. They're giving him another a second hard look, especially with Mark Rick at the helm. And uh, those three guys, they'll all be in town in Coral Gables for their officials. And um, like I said, wide receivers one position that Miami's really hoping to get someone pretty soon. And um, Latrell Williams obviously might be that number one guy right now that if I had to pick that could commit. But um, obviously their main target, obviously, I know they want Benjamin Victor and maybe probably some other guys that are definitely high on their list. But um, him and uh, Amon Richards are the two guys in the receiver position that um, they're hoping to kind of seal up and hopefully get in the fold here pretty soon. Well, you touched on a, a number of things that I do want to talk about, and one of them is uh, Ron Dugans. You know, some fans were up in arms, uh, as you can imagine, that you let go of Kevin Beard. He's alumni at the University of Miami, and, you know, that was one thing. But then you replaced him with a former Florida State wide receiver, so, you know, you had some diehard Kane fans making big noise about it, but um, tell me what Ron Dugans brings to the table as a recruiter for, you know, for the new staff that's being put together there by Mark Rick. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, Coach Dugans is one coach I've actually gotten to know pretty well over the last two years, and um, he's just a real down-to-earth guy and a guy that can really kind of get in the home and speak. He can really get the parents' attention, too. He's just a real good guy a real big family guy, and that really kind of rubs off on a lot of these kids' parents. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, overall, he's just a guy to really relate to, relate to as well. I'm a young guy, pretty energetic, and um, like you said, recruiting, the recruiting's always been there. He's got some good guys for USF, too, with Chris Barr um, out of Jacksonville, Trinity Christian. He's a guy with some Power 5 offers that um, that said basically on Sunday last year, one of the main reasons he came to USF was because of Coach Dugan's. And uh, like I said, time with Coach Strong at Louisville, he's a guy that just has a who can really relate to not only the kid but also the family too. He's just a good he's just a good guy overall, man. I know it's a cliche kind of answer you always hear the guy's a good guy, but you can sure. tell when he he's a guy that doesn't really beat around the bush with you. He kind of tells you how it is. Um, he's a younger guy, like I said, can really relate to the kids. Um, and obviously can win the family over too. He's just a good down to earth guy. Um, and like you said, that's just recruiting. But the one thing, obviously, with him, too, he's a great teacher. And obviously, that's the same thing I've been saying about Coach Kevin Beard, too. I think overall with both of those guys, you couldn't have really went wrong with either one of them. I think they both really can teach the wide receiver position. I watched, You can type in drills from both of those guys on YouTube, and you can just show how much knowledge they've had. And with Ron, he, he's a guy that played in, for the Cincinnati Bengals, had a great career at Florida State. And um, like I said, I thought it was a great hire. I mean, he's just a guy that really, uh, really can relate to kids and, um, like I said, a guy cons- consistently with USS recruiting classes that, you know, parents raved about. And I think, um, like I said, I know a lot of people kind of wanted KB to come back, and I'd, obviously that would have been a great move too. Uh, but obviously I think Ron Dugans is a great hire. I thought I didn't think – I thought eventually this would be the year he maybe moved down from USF and maybe took another big job. Um, I know last year he was kind of rumored with Texas with Coach, uh, Coach Strong um, last year because obviously they had the connection at Louisville. 
But I think, like I said, he's a guy this this year, especially for USF. Um, he was recruiting that Miami area, Miami and Fort Lauderdale area. Um, he's usually known as far as the Tallahassee, all the way up there, where obviously you play at Florida State. But um, like I said, this year, especially USF's recruiting class, he really focused on South Florida, and I think obviously that's going to carry over um, as far as when he's at Miami. And like I said, it's already kind of paid off with that with Latrell Williams. Um, like I said, you can tell how big of an impact he had just on his recruitment, um, just with the activity of the one night from decommitting and getting offered by Miami. And, uh, yeah, exactly, up and- exactly. I, you know, um, Miami was able to gain and lose on the same day at the wide receiver position, which is yeah. going to be yeah. an important, you know, uh, position in this class. You get Stacy Coley coming back, which is obviously good news, but then you lose Tyree Brady, a person – uh, who looked pretty good early on in the season and then somehow fell off, trailed off to the point where he's uh, going to be transferring. So, you know, Miami needs to get some some wide receivers in this class. What would be the biggest get for them? I think uh, as of right now, I mean, everyone wants to cross their fingers for Benjamin Victor, but as time goes on with them as far as receiver, I, I think it's very unlikely. Like I said, I think if something really would have developed between those two parties, I think we would kind of heard about by now, and especially after Army Week, you know, with all the interviews with Benjamin Victor and everyone, you didn't really hear Miami. I just thought it was too late in the game. But as far as on their board, I really think it's still Amon Richards as far as receiver. Um, like I said, he's a guy I still think. I know he made the Army game late. Um, like I said, he's a high. He's probably mid the high four star does, but I think he's still pretty undervalued. I think I think his upside on the next level, as far as receiver or safety, is pretty high. Six two, one eight five, a little rangy. Um, can really make big plays happen with the ball in his hand. So I think with him, I think that's the most realistic, and he's a big time kid as well. That you know, he definitely has a place in his heart for Miami. And I think honestly, with this staff, they're just kind of keeping their foot on the gas with him. And I think this weekend might be the week. It's kind of it's kind of the same thing when. Um, when uh, when Zach McLeod recommitted on his visit, when he decommitted from Miami, I kind of always said along that, you know, as long as he clicked with the new staff and kind of took a visit and see, kind of see how everything runs during the new staff, he would end up being back there. And he committed on that first night in the official. And I think with Amon Richards, like you said, it's, I think it's really going to come down to Miami and Alabama for him. Those have been the two most consistent schools. Uh, but like I said, I think Miami wins with him overall. I said it's in-state. And that's just where his heart is. Like I said, a lot of people, it's easy to say that, but um, he's a guy that kind of waited to the very end. He's one of the last guys that decommitted. He tried to hold on for as long as he could. Yeah. He had to do what was best for him. And I think eventually, if everything goes right, um, he'll be signed with the U. Um, like I said, that's going to be close between them and Alabama. When you look at the recruiting rankings, if you are big into that stuff, Miami's ranked anywhere from 18th all the way down to 31st. Are they poised to make a big run here and probably slide up into a solid teens and maybe nip at uh, a top ten class, or is this kind of where they're going to be when uh, when all is said and done? In your opinion? Yeah, I think there's a good chance it might move up a little bit. I don't think it's going to be some major jump until like you know the top five, top six kind of area. But like I said, they have some guys before signing day that hopefully they can kind of work their magic with. I know Elijah Stove; he's a guy that's coming the week before sign day. Um, you know, he's committed to Auburn. Florida's heavily in the mix too. Um, but like I said, Miami will get the last shot before sign day, and um. You know, even before, Georgia didn't really obviously make his top two before, but he used to always rave about Coach Rick. So, like I said, he, like I said he's interested enough to use that final visit on an in-state school and come down here. Obviously, Malik Young will be in town next weekend on the 22nd, uh, who obviously was committed to Georgia, has a great relationship with Rick. So, those are two guys. Um, but like I said, another one, too, you just never know what Jamel Cook. He's a guy who feels like he's still getting offer after offer, even this late in the game. I know LSU just offered last week. Um, he'll be heading to Louisville this weekend, and 
Um, like I said, you can't rule out Miami with him. Like I said, you can just tell. I mean, he definitely has interest in Miami. Um, but we'll just see if he wants to stay home. He's a guy who really kind of plays his cards close to his vest. But, yeah, Malik Young, Jamel Cook, Elijah Stove. You know, like I said, Mon Richards. There's guys on the board they can definitely get. Uh, but like I said, it's just about closing the deal. And, you know, this, this time of year, uh, with such a limited time with the staff, it's hard to kind of build those relationships. But I think that doesn't matter as much with the local kids. They, they've known about the U for a while. Sure. It more matters about the guys who's probably outside of the South Florida area. I think a little bit more, but no, they haven't. I'm gonna I'm gonna name some schools here for you, Corey. Uh, yeah. Booker T. Washington, Hallandale High School, Flanagan High School, American Heritage, St. Thomas Central. Um, all of these schools either won championship or were pretty deep into the playoffs, regarded by most to be the top schools in South Florida. Yet you don't have a bunch of recruits out of these schools going to Miami. Uh, what do you attribute that to, and what can Mark Rick do to turn that around? It was funny. I always have this conversation with a lot of kids, like especially you have a lot, like you have uh, Kelvin Bruin, all those kids that kind of went to Florida State, and I think part of it too, especially South Florida kids. I feel like I hear from, even the kids that commit not even to like the Miami level. If some kids just want to get out of Florida, some kids are just. Just you know, maybe just want to change. I mean, that's like the common thing I've heard with so many kids. I always, I just ask off to the side, even with like FAUs, the FIUs, the schools like that. And a lot of kids, like the main answer is, they just, I want to do something new. I've been in this heat for so long. I want to do something new and kind of explore. And you know, that's and there's a lot of kids that like Miami grew up. Like you were saying, there's a lot of kids you you hear when they're freshmen and sophomores, always coming up to you and always. Um, you know, like I said, raving about Miami and their interest in them. But as they get older and stuff, and like I said, they get more offers and more options, you see some of the kids just want to start their own path and kind of see some see something new after living in Miami their whole life. But um, I think, like I said, they made, I think they're making a good move, obviously, with Coach Rumpf, um, obviously now on the Miami staff, obviously leaving American Heritage with you guys over there. I think that will definitely help out as far as American Heritage's kids, as far as, as, far as all the 17 and 18 kids. Um, and like I said, I, I can't put the name out there right now, but there's um, – I've heard from word from one of the coaches that they might have another big time high school coach in the state of Florida here pretty soon. The Miami staff, so um, I can't okay. really leak the name out yet, but um, I think <laughs> you, know, you know the name, but you can't release it. Yeah, no, I know the name. Yeah, I just can't put it. You know how that works, but no, like that's. I think that's a huge part of it, though, man. I, like I said, you're going, you're going to these deep high schools. You're getting guys um, that have a ton of success at the high school level. Guys that these kids can relate to. Like Coach Rock, he's a younger guy. Um, real energetic guy, real good teacher too. And like I said, he's just a great guy. You can tell how much he relates to the kids and what you know how much the kids respect him as a coach. And getting guys like that and the staff that they're comfortable with, I think that's why I always love going the high school route for to fill in some of these positions. I think I, I love that move. Um, you know, like as far as going that route and getting high school coaches on staff. But um, like I said, as far as South Florida kids, the most common thing, man, I always hear from kids is I want to start my own path. I want to do something new. I've been here my whole life, and it's nothing really against Miami, but I kind of want to do my own path. And yeah, you just path. want to go and see what else is out there in the country. Well, you were uh, front and center at the South Florida Express tryouts. It's always a huge event every year in January. People look forward to it, a lot of recruiting media there, and you were there. So give me give me some of the names that stood out to you um, and, uh, and, and caught your eye while you were at the tryouts. Yeah, man, there's a tough. So, a lot of guys, Kamani Green on uh, Miami Central. Um, he had 2017 receiver, six foot, six foot one, 190. Um, he's a guy I kind of knew about going to the event, but I didn't have, really, have a good good chance to really just focus on him and uh, watch him as a player. And it's shocking that he doesn't have any offers yet. He's a guy, like I say, great size. 
Um, good release off the line, real reliable, too, and does a good job of uh, catching the ball away from his body. And he was one of the first passing the eye test, too. He's a guy that definitely looked the part. And, you know, after watching him play throughout the whole entire first day, um, he was one of the more consistent pass catchers out there. I was kind of surprised. He doesn't have a single offer on the table, and that's a guy I think throughout the spring. And, you know, Miami Central School stopped through there like they get the lunch line as far as college coaches, so I know schools sure. can get their eyes on him. Um, and another guy, too, and then I'm going to go this route because I still think a lot of people aren't really familiar with him because there's so many guys at St. Thomas, but Joshua mm-hmm. Palmer, uh, the Canadian native who moved down before the summer, like right at the late summer, um, like I said, a lot of people get his, I mean, you know, the Sam Bruce's, Trayvon Grimes, um, Dominic Thiemann, there's so many guys on that team, and that, that kid right there, I mean, he's smooth, he's polished, he can go, he gets vertical and can really go attack the ball. And he's a guy that should sprout pretty well in the rankings. He's a high three-star type kid with us now. But, you know, after watching this weekend, he's a kid that definitely will hit that national stage. He only has a couple offers, Michigan being one of them. So I know one school definitely really believes in him as a football player. But he's a guy I still don't think a lot of people, there's so many guys at St. Thomas, and he moved down right before the season started. And I saw a lot of people still aren't familiar with this Joshua Palmer uh, from St. Thomas, 6'3", 185, and, can really get vertical, can make those highlight real grabs, and he did uh, that first day. He got everyone on, got everyone on their feet with a kind of, he kind of cuffed the ball, one handed cuff catch. And it was really one of the more impressive catches I've seen in the last month, probably. Yeah, one hand catches. One hand catches always good to grab some attention. You know, quarterbacks are really what make seven on seven go. What'd you see at that position during the trials? Well, I know one year very Henry Columbia. I mean, he's a kid. Every time I see him, he impresses me more and more, and obviously physical attributes, I know that's helping a lot. I know he's grown like three to four inches in the past year. Uh, plays mistake-free football. I know Jake Allen was beat up a little bit. I know he's coming back off that back injury. Um, like I said, it was kind of easy his way through. Uh, but like I said, uh, yeah, just overall, I mean, the whole pair of quarterbacks. Uh, another one, too, is uh, Telford, Shabazz Telford. Um, he's another kid. I know Kadeem Telford is cousin. He's committed to Florida. He's another kid, six foot four, 210 pounds. So he has a mechanics, he'll work on the mechanics, he'll step into his throws a little bit more, kind of work on the mechanical stuff. But he's a guy with great size. Um, he can definitely move outside of the pocket, too, and throws a beautiful deep ball. Uh, of all those guys, he probably threw the more consistent deep ball um, that first day when I was there. But uh, Henry Columbia, he's a guy, like I said, he's really grown. Um, he plays good mistake-free football, and more athletic than give him credit for. He pop on his film. He can definitely get going and kind of evade pressure. And, and the good thing with him, he doesn't always look to run. He's always keeping his eyes locked downfield and, um, he's a kid I just rave about more and more every time I see that kid. And um, I know he has a one offer for Temple now, and I know you played a big part in that, helping him uh, get that first offer. And like I said, uh, I think more schools will be coming throughout the spring. And um, I think, obviously, now at Shamanah Madonna, uh, with all those, with all the receivers and weapons they have, he'll have plenty of uh, opportunities to flourish in that offense over there. But he have all the quarterbacks. He's a kid, man. Um, like I said, Jake Allen's more of the household name that everyone's pretty familiar with because he's going to right. Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. But man, I mean, Columbia. Don't, I mean, next year is going to be exciting, especially on Madonna. I mean, that's going to be a pretty electric, fun offense to watch. Yeah, I just like to see uh, quarterbacks starting to get a little bit more attention down here in South Florida. For many years, it was not a place that you really went to go grab quarterbacks. So it's good to see them developing and the young ones coming up and really, you know, learning to play the position the way that. Uh, teams want them to play now, so I'm really excited about that. There, I mean, there were times when we had tryouts and we were just rolling our eyes at what we had out there at quarterback. You'd have one or two yeah, guys, and then the rest Telford were horrendous. Yeah, Say that again? I was familiar. I knew Columbia coming in. I just want to see him a little bit more. Obviously, he knew Jake. 
Uh, but Shabazz Telfer, man, like I said, he has some physical attributes. Like I said, he's just a little bit raw. has to work on mechanical stuff. But he is a natural arm. Like I said, great arm talent, uh, great, beautiful deep ball. He's coachable, too. So, um, yeah, there's yeah, there's some nice quarterbacks there, man. Like I said, uh, this year I was definitely impressed. And some guys definitely, I think, throughout the spring, um, they'll definitely get more looks and more opportunities at the Division One level. Yeah, well, we certainly appreciate you coming out and uh, and providing coverage of the event. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you here over the next few weeks leading up to signing day about the Canes and see if they can make a, a nice little close here and probably fill some holes. I think that's going to be the number one thing for them is filling some holes, maybe not getting uh, a top 10 class, but at least filling some holes in the roster and being able to make a smooth transition from Golden to Rick. So I'm um, definitely glad that you're on here and looking forward to having you on here more often on the Gridiron Stud Show. Yeah, man, Chad, I appreciate you having me on, man, and uh, have a good rest of the night, too, as well. Yeah, same to you. It's Corey Bender from Scott.com talking Miami Hurricane football. All right, long time without a break. We're going to take one now when I come back. I'll take your questions if you've got them here on the Gridiron Stud Show. And, again, it's 347-633-9365 if you have any recruiting questions. We'll be back for the final segment of the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! O-M-G. Look at all of this paperwork. Are you a business owner and you're buried under a mountain of paperwork? You need an MVP on your team. And that MVP is MVP Business Concierge Services. They know that sometimes paperwork can get in between you and your customers. Why not spend the time doing what it is you do best? Getting new customers, handling the ones that you have now, and while you're doing that, you can have an MVP working for you. We know that tax season is the busiest time of the year for business owners. No more missing deadlines and getting IRS penalties for late filing. MVP Business Concierge Services will do all the hard work for you. They will streamline your payroll, streamline your finances, and have you on track. With trustworthy advisors that are very reliable, they will take the hard work away from you. 
and get you back into what it is you're doing best. How do you get this MVP on your team? You call right now, 844-696-8722, 844-MY-MVP-CC, or send an email to info at mymvp.cc and get an MVP on your team today. Much talk during 
the season that they were losing a little bit of steam in recruiting. Can they uh, can they poo-poo, as we like to say on the show, some of that? And they, Florida State sitting here with the number eight ranked recruiting class in the country. So falling off means number eight. It's good to be Florida State. Now, quickly looking at the, the Rivals.com 2016 college football rankings, here's what you got. Number one is LSU. They're staple in the top five in this thing. You know, hey, their head coach almost lost his job this year. And here they are. So no one seems to be disturbed at all by any possible instability at the head coaching position at LSU because they're sitting here right now with the number one recruiting class in the country that's due in large part to the 20 commits that they have. Zero five-stars, by the way, but 12 four-star commits. Number two is uh, Shea Patterson and the uh, Ole Miss. Did I, did, I call, did I call this school Shea Patterson? It's Ole Miss. Ole Miss with your number two recruit. Who, listen, a decade ago, who in the world would have said Ole Miss would be sitting here with the number two recruiting class in the country? Um, an outstanding job being done by Hugh Freeze and the staff to put something like this together. Ole Miss, uh, one of the top teams in the country with two five-star commits. And uh, here they are sitting at number two. The Jim Harbaugh effect is in full uh, effect mode up there in Ann Arbor as Michigan. And it's been a while since they've been up here like this. They are the number three ranked recruiting class in the country, according to Rivals.com. Number four is Notre Dame. This feels like old times here, Michigan and Notre Dame at the top here of the recruiting rankings. And then number five is Ohio State. Number six is Clemson, which, you know, you can understand. They've been knocking at the door and uh, knocked pretty loudly this year. They're number six. Number seven is the University of Florida. Number eight, as I mentioned before, is Florida State. Number nine is Georgia. Despite the coaching change, and the, uh, you know, switch over to Kirby Smart, who's in his first time head coaching job. He jumps in there and uh, can hold Georgia together at uh, number nine. Number 10 is Baylor. Now, Baylor has not really been a team that's been up in the recruiting rankings. That might mean that these guys start falling off now. They're doing such a great job winning games without top recruiting classes. And here they are now floating around here at number 10. Uh, that might mean good things, might mean bad things for them. So that's your top ten as it relates to college football rankings. Just to touch on some things that I was putting out on Twitter before the show started. You know, I often hear people and recruits talking about, you know, how much better they of a season they had, how much better their stats are than another guy that's highly ranked. And what recruits need to understand that, Listen, it's a lot of this thing is projections. So, you know, you may have a six foot five defensive end who only had five sacks on the year. You may have a five foot eleven, hundred and ninety pound guy who had twenty sacks playing defensive end. I mean, I've seen that. I've seen stuff like that happen. And there is no situation in which that five foot eleven, hundred and ninety, hundred and ninety five pound defensive end would be ranked higher than the six foot five, two hundred and forty or fifty pound guy. That's just facts of life. And let's be honest, in, in all honesty, you're not gonna see a five foot eleven, hundred and ninety five pound defensive end thrive at any power five school. Just not gonna happen. To be the bearer of bad news. So 
if that something like that doesn't indicate to you that a lot of recruiting rankings has to do with projections, then you know you're not really paying attention. So you know when I hear guys say, you know, I had you know a much better senior year than this guy, or look at my stats. It's not everything. Matter of fact, it's not even most of it. Most of it are the projections. A lot of it has to do with size and type. You know, I did write an article that's up on Gridiron Studs blog uh, about recruiting is like a beauty contest. It has a lot to do with looks. You can find that there. If you go to gridironstuds.com forward slash blog, read the article on that. It has a lot to do with how you look. There's a reason why these coaches show up and they'll call you down out of class. They want to see you. They want to grab your shoulders. They want to see how well you're put together because they know what it is at the next level. They know the pounding you take. They know how physical a game it is. And, you know, you really shouldn't be all that offended at it. Someone may, you know, these guys may really respect what you did in high school. But then they also know that doesn't really project well to the next level. And if a coach wants to hold on to his job at a Power 5 school, he better not be bringing 5'11", 190-pound defensive ends to the table. That's a good way to lose your recruiting area. So, you guys got to be realistic about it. And that's just the way that, that's just the way that it goes. But, Harkening back to what I said in the beginning of this recruiting roundtable with respect to guys continuing your football playing career, just extend it. Never know what you're going to blossom into. You never know what's going to happen. And if you love football, keep your football career going. And that means you might have to go to a Division II school, Division III school. And, yes, you might end up getting a partial scholarship. But a partial scholarship is a heck of a lot better than paying the full freight the full boat, because these colleges now are asking for forty and fifty thousand dollars a year, forty and fifty thousand dollars a semester. And are you going to be able to pay that on your own? No, you're not. And if you don't go the football route and get a scholarship, or you don't get something like that going, then you're taking out loans. And I don't need to tell you that that's a heck of a lot of money when you're done with your four-year education that you got to pay back. So you're starting off way deep in the hole. When you could have just went out there and played football at one of these schools and get a deep discount on the education and just let the chips fall where they may. Perhaps you blossom into someone that the NFL might take an interest in. And if you don't, at least you got a good portion of your of your uh, your your college tuition paid off just by you being the football player that you are. So make all that hard work that you put in as a high school football player to get the college payoff. If a Division II or Division III school is interested in you and the FCS school is interested in you, by all means consider them. If you don't have something else going, you'd be a fool not to. So that's my message to you guys here tonight. I hope you listen. And, again, if you need recruiting help, you can reach out to me, Wilson at gridironstuds.com. I uh, can provide you with some assistance, uh, answer some questions, and we also have some services that uh, we can apply and get you some help, get you seen by the colleges, and get your face out there, get your name out there, and get the ball rolling for you. But you're running out of time if you're 2016 recruit. All right, there isn't a ton of time left for you. All right, so, hey, it's season two. Episode one is in the books. I'd like to thank you all for listening to the show. Appreciate you coming on. We're here every Wednesday at 8 p.m., and uh, we have the uh, regular show weekdays at 10 a.m., so... Looking forward to you joining us then. And if you love the Gridiron Studs show, tell a friend. The more the merrier. 
I would like to thank you all for listening. I want to thank my guests that came on the show today. Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com, Keith Niver from 247 Sports, Woody Womack from Rivals, Greg Biggins from Scout.com, and Corey Bender also from Scout.com. I want to thank those guys for coming on to the show. And I also want to thank you all for listening. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Great Iron Stud Show. Enjoy the rest of your night. Can you Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.